from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Welcome to another episode of It Figures. My name is Sandy Guy, and I'm a partner with Car Rigs and Ingram, and I oversee our human capital strategies. I am thrilled to be here today as we explore the wide-ranging opportunities that women in the U.S. have open to them today, both from a personal and professional perspective. We're going to explore that a little bit. We're going to look at the um, individuals who have supported them along the way. We're going to look at any challenges they've had along the way and hopefully um, show all of our listeners all the different things that they can do um, to be true to themselves and have the personal and professional lives that they always envisioned and just really kind of dive in deep into that. But first, um, I'm so excited to introduce our panel. So first, Kathy, can you take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Kathy Gottlieb. I'm with the Atlanta SPU and I'm a tax partner. Thank you. And Ms. Fanta? My name is Fanta Caroma. I'm in Tallahassee, Florida, and I'm an administrative assistant. And last but certainly not least, Ms. Grace. My name is Grace DeLeon. I'm a tax manager with the Rio Grande Valley unit in McAllen, Texas. I'm thrilled to have all three of you here today. And as we are entering Women's History Month, it got me looking back over history, and especially since um, World War I, but women's professional choices have opened up exponentially, you know, as we move, especially now into a gig economy, it's always exciting whether you're looking on um, Facebook or different aspects of social media and you see all these women starting all kinds of different businesses, very creative ones that I wish I would have thought of. Um, And it's allowed for remote work even before the pandemic. And it just seems that if you look back over 100 years or again, um, especially since World War I, Women are in every field doing everything. So uh, young girls today, they, from a career perspective, can do whatever they want to do. And from a personal perspective, they can do whatever they want to do. And I think that's awesome. So today, what we're going to talk about are some of those paths, um, what, what they've learned along the way, each of the three of you and the paths that you've chosen. Um, but let's just first start out, you know, if we all kind of look back to our younger selves um, and kind of wonder, you know, we all envision, gosh, when I'm a grown up and that seems so far away, um, you kind of envision what you'd be doing as an adult. And I'm curious, you know, if if you're doing what you envisioned you would be doing. Um, so, Grace, I'll start with you. You know, when you were a little girl and pictured, you know, when you're a grown up, um, are you doing what you thought you would be doing? I am doing what I, I thought I'd be doing. I come from a family of educators, but I chose a different path. Um Pursuing a degree in accounting, I was able to work for, in, in my first position that I held as a, for a worldwide hotel reservations company in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, that was very rewarding to me. I was with the internal auditing uh, division, and uh, I was able to travel to various countries to assist in, in uh, the team in, in internal auditing. Um, also, I through my path, I've owned a brick and mortar and e-commerce business for 10 years which specialize in children's furniture. 
I've been the controller for two construction companies in our local area. And I've also worked for both the auditing and the tax department of Long Shilton, who merged with CRI back in 2017. Well, goodness gracious, I'm just tired listening to you. Um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you have children as well, right? I do. I am the proud mother of three amazing children. My daughter, Katie, is 24. She's currently in Dallas pursuing a degree. Uh, she's at the School of Dentistry. So she'll be a dentist in uh, two years or so. And my son, Christian, is 20. He's in the neuroscience program at the University of Texas in Austin. And my youngest is 15 years old, and he's a freshman in high school. Okay, so you did all those things and raised kids. Yeah, I haven't done anything with my life, so I'm a little embarrassed. Um, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Um, that, that's, that's quite the accomplishment right there, for sure. I often tell people um, I don't have children, um, and it was uh, by choice, because I know how much work it is to raise children. So to be as accomplished as you are professionally and to have raised kids and still you have one you're finishing, that's that's quite an accomplishment, Grace. Um, so Fanta, what about you? When you think about when you were a little girl or are you living the life you envisioned you'd be living as an adult? Um, so personally, I would say that I am, but professionally, not at all. Um, growing up, I always had an interest in performing arts. So poetry and spoken words specifically were things that I enjoyed. So I definitely didn't think I would be working in corporate America as an adult. I thought I'd be performing somewhere. <laughs> you do that on the side? Do you do you write or um, do any of that on the side outside so, of work? I do still write on the side. I love to read and I love to write poetry. I think we might need to find a venue um, for Fanta to uh, present some of her work as spoken word within CRI. Um, so, Kathy, what about you? You Are you living the life you thought you'd be living? I would say the answer is yes and no. So no in the sense that I, I always thought I'd be a lawyer. So I always knew I would be a professional, but I really was on the path of being a lawyer. I sidetracked, ended up uh, in the tax world and becoming a CPA, but all along being a partner in a firm was just not on the list. It was like, okay for me not to be a partner, just to be a, you know, a, an employee and work hard. But I, I, you know, so being a partner was not, not what I envisioned. Why not? I'm curious. So I have absolutely no idea. I always, maybe I thought back then that trying to juggle being a professional and a mother was difficult. So I couldn't do both and be successful at both. And I proved myself to be wrong to that. In fact, I'll just, I'll just say this real quick. The day that I was offered income partner in my old firm was the day that I told my bosses at the time that I was pregnant with my first child. Wow. It's always interesting to me over the years um, in public accounting um, when younger women, maybe at that senior level, um, through whether it's coaching sessions or um, annual or whatever, when they say they don't aspire to be partner. And when I ask them why, um, sometimes they'll say, well, I, I look at what the partners, how the partners in my office work, and that's just not what I want to do without realizing, well, you, you can create partner to look however you want it to look. 
Um, sometimes I have had some who, who say, well, I, I don't think I could, which I never like hearing anyone, especially a, a female say, I don't think I can because I'm a firm believer and you can do whatever you want to do. Um, so it, it's, it's always interesting to me to, to hear why. And I appreciate you being so honest and saying, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so Fanta, I'm curious if, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Um, but I'm curious because, I have gotten to know you a little bit um, recently, and I do know that, um, you you are very talented. So how, how is it that you're in corporate America and not um, pursuing more of your creative self? So I kind of realized in my teenage years that customer service and client satisfaction was a strong attribute of mine. Um, journalism and creative writing was my major when I attended TCC. Um, but I was offered an entry-level position with the state of Florida and the Department of Management Services at 19. So I decided to kind of take a shift in my life. Um, I started as an online agent, and then I just kind of worked my way up and became the fiscal operations manager by the end of it. So I just kind of continued on that path. I get it. Um, it is kind of hard um, once you start making money and paying bills to then take a risk. I had an opportunity um, right after I graduated to go do something completely different, um, not using my degree that wouldn't be paying as um, some of the offers in the business world would have been paying. And I remember thinking, but what if I, but, but what if I'm not making that money after? And it's not that I have a regret, but I just remember the people who do have that, um, who are brave in that sense that can just take a chance and go follow their dream. And you know what? Who cares about the money? I'm going to go follow my dream and my passion to go do this or that. I always admire those people because I do not have that. I have that. I need to know my check's coming in this day and this bill is going to be paid. And I always admire um, those people who do um, take those choices and those chances because that's a kind of courage I personally do not have. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, support. So, um, Grace, again, you've, you've, gosh, you've accomplished a lot. And, and again, with kids, you've done so much in, in both of those personal and professional stages. I would personally be exhausted at this point. And you're quite lovely, um, because I can see you, I understand. I guess others can't, but I'm looking at you right now, and I think I would be exhausted given everything that you've done. But I'm kind of curious, have there been people along the way that helped um, support you? I mean, you're certainly entrepreneurial. Um, have there been people along the way who have helped support you or maybe some who surprised you? And you don't have to tell me names um, who maybe weren't as supportive, who um, were challenging to you, um, but you clearly still um, overcame that. I did have support in high school. I had support from some of my teachers, but most importantly, I think my parents, they were my biggest fan. They always instilled uh, in all of us. There's six, uh, I'm one of six uh, children and uh, they always instilled, you know, wanted us to get educated, to work hard and to pursue our dreams and do what made us happy. And, and I think that that's what uh, led me to do what I did. That's always helpful. How about you, Kathy? You know, did you have somebody who, um, kind of stands out as somebody who um, kind of your champion and supporter or cheerleader along the way or the, the opposite of that, for lack of a better term? I can't think of the opposite. I can't think of anyone that really stood in my way as I pursued my career. 
Um, my supporters, for sure, initially was my dad, constantly cheering me on. And then, but then as I got married and had children and pursued my career, I could not have done it without my husband, who was, you know, an equal partner in raising the kids. I don't have any family in Atlanta from my side, but his uh, sister-in-law was here and she helped out a lot. And then in my early years, when I was with a smaller firm, uh, my bosses, both my kids came to the office when they were little tiny babies and they were with me during tax season. They were both born right before tax season and they laid on the floor. And if I had a meeting, I would come back. And if the baby was gone, someone picked up the baby to take the baby and, and feed the baby. So it was it really was an all hands on for me. Um, great support. What is that? It, it takes a village. So it takes takes some colleagues, so to speak. It, it absolutely did. It took a village. So to, to be fair with shout outs, how about you, Fanta? Anyone um, who big champion or advocate? Um, I feel like I now need to be yours to pursue um, your creative side, because I do think you're very talented in that regard. But anybody along the way who's been a big champion or supporter? Um, I'd actually say my mom. She's been both the, my champion and my challenger. So I appreciate her for that. She pushes me to the degree that I need to be pushed. And she questions me when it's time as well. Yeah. Moms are usually good about holding us accountable. I'll certainly say mine is still pretty good about that. So, you know, the other thing um, I've been thinking a lot about is I think about all the options um, that that women have and it's limitless and and we should be really um, excited and, and celebrate that. What a wonderful country that we live in, where you can, again, be whoever you want to be, pursue whatever professional or personal path that you want to pursue. Um, But a lot of people don't feel that they have that option. I mean, you can watch um, different stories or read about different challenges that people face. And it's, you know, it sounds like not that it was easy for us to do, but that each of us um, felt that, that we could do anything that we wanted to do. And I often wonder, um, you know, why some women don't have that. And often it's usually maybe you don't have that cheerleader or somebody cheering you on along the way. But if I'm honest, I then have to kind of look within myself and say, okay, well, is there a way maybe I'm not supporting people? And, you know, I I, I often say that as a Southern female, it's surprising to me. Um, I, again, um, it was a, a decision to not have kids because I have two sisters who both could not wait to become mothers. They they are those women who their it's little girls could not wait to be moms. Just wasn't something I thought of. I knew how much work it was, and once they started becoming moms, and I saw firsthand what how much work it was, I'm like, no, I think I'm a little selfish. I want to go make some money and go travel the world. But thanks, I'll come be the best aunt ever. Um, so when people ask me about my children and I'm like, no, I'm married, but, um, I don't have kids and they assume it wasn't a choice, but when they learn it was a choice, I get some really not so positive responses to that at times. And I think it's because as, um, Southern women, you know, we're, we're raised or just women in general, probably there, there's an expectation that all women, um, just want to have kids. 
But I think it works both ways because I have, honestly, when both of my sisters were like, oh, I'm so excited to have a baby. I'm like, oh, why have I started a family now? Go, go experience life, go do. Well, that's my path. Why am I trying to get them to take my path? If this is what they want to do and it's their choice, why am I trying to get them to take my path? And I, I don't know why I'm pushing what's right for me on them. But so I think about that a lot. And I wonder how many women out there, um, maybe they know there's options, but they're being pressured either by friends or family or society or whatever um, to do something different. So I'm kind of curious if any of you um, have either experienced that, whether personally or do you see that in any of your your colleagues at work or especially some of the younger ones who were at that, um, you know, we're going to be doing a panel later this month, looking at the different seasons um, of your life as females and what it takes to have it all, so to speak. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that um, because it is different as you go through these different seasons of your life. And I often look at, you know, that younger me and decisions I would have made. So as you look at some of the um, younger colleagues who are, you know, kind of figuring it out and, you know, kind of coming out on their own, do you see any of them struggling with that? I just want to say first, you can do it all. For anyone that's listening who's who's concerned about raising a family, not raising a family, having a career, you really need to be true to yourself and pick your path. Um, I'm not sure if you brought up this idea of judgment, judgment that you didn't have kids, judgment that you did have kids. I would say my biggest uh, critic was myself, on myself, and judge myself. But I'm trying to have kids, but I'm never with them all day. Am I being selfish? That went through my mind a lot. And I had to overcome that in a way that that made me feel like I was being a good mom and also being able to, to be in the workforce. And I felt like I did that. And people that don't have children and pursue their careers, it is a choice. Have at it. I mean, you, you know what you want and, and you should follow your path as well. So, um, you know, yes, but I do think there's a little judgment. I don't know that I judged anyone for not having children, but this might sound bad and it probably will, but I notice in dialogue with other, other people and other family and parents that I seem to enter into a better dialogue with other working moms than non-working moms. There seems to be a lot more in common. I don't know how that sounds, but that's, that's true for me. Listen, I, I live in a large, very stereotypical Southern neighborhood with sidewalks it's a very Catholic neighborhood. I am a Jewish female, no kids. And the majority of our neighborhood are Catholic stay-at-home moms with many children who go to the private Catholic school. And in the summers when we're at the pool, I, they don't have a lot to talk to me about, not in an ugly way. There's just not a lot, I think, in common. Um, and on our neighborhood Facebook page, when they're talking, I'll just say in a nice way, I clearly don't have a lot in common with them either. Um, and I think that's natural. I think what they go through day to day and what's stressful to them, especially right now during the pandemic with kids at home, is going to be very different than what me as someone without kids is going through. Um, 
during the pandemic as someone who doesn't have kids. So I do think it is very different. I think that's natural that you would have more in common with somebody who is a working parent than a stay-at-home parent. I think that's I think that's normal for sure. So what advice would you have? So if you look back, so let's go back to looking at our younger self again, because I always think that's kind of fun. So if you look back at your younger self, and I'm going to say your 17, 18-year-old self. So knowing what you know now, do you have any advice for your 18-year-old self? I would say for me, I would say, one, don't get so twisted about the boyfriend. Two, calm down. It's going to be okay. Trust yourself. Um, Trust yourself for sure. I wish I would have trusted myself more in my own judgment when I was 18 um, and not let myself be influenced um, by so many of the other things I was hearing people tell me I should be doing or should be thinking about. Um, But I would probably tell myself to trust myself more. So would any of the three of you have advice um, looking back for your 17, 18-year-old self? Don't you wish you could do it over sometimes? No, God, no. You know, these people who, when they were like, God, I would love to go back to high school. I'm like, we clearly had two very different high school experiences. I have no desire to go back to elementary school, middle school, or high school, maybe college. That was kind of fun. Um, But no. I would do college over every four years. I don't know. It was, I, I loved college. Not high school. That's a good question. Would either of the two of you, Grace or Fanta, go back and do high school again? I would not. Fanta, would you do it again? I would. God, so two for two. So hey, to each their own. <laughs> well, y'all, y'all, y'all go on. Grace, Grace, and I are gonna want to want done with that. But so, so does anybody have advice for their eighteen-year-old self? I have so much advice for my eighteen-year-old self that I well. I, I, Kathy, let's go one further. What advice do so your daughters are? You have one that just graduated and 22 and 28. Okay. So, what advice do you have for them? The advice I have for them are actually following through on. Yay. Um, some of the advice I would give to that 18 year old person or, or anybody actually, but I wish I knew this when I was 18 was really to be patient with myself, be true to myself, have faith in myself. I lacked confidence most of my life, and I had to plow through it and fake it. Um, I feel like I wasted some time on that, but I had to go on that journey to get to where I am today. But being true to yourself and really taking a hard look at yourself. I, I just, you know, my kids are following that right now. They're, they're both really, really, really doing that and very proud mommy. But yeah, I just, I wish that I knew what I know now back then, I think I would have been on a different, a little bit of a different path. I probably would have said, I'm going to be a partner. It can be hard to be true to yourself. I think that's tied to you and I have had a lot of conversations around confidence, um, especially as it relates to women um, and where that confidence comes from. Um, At times I am overly confident um, and I have an abundance of it. And I I know where that comes from. but I, it, it is interesting to me to watch 
um, especially some younger women as they're they're coming out of school and starting to work. And I see all of their accomplishments and how smart they are. I'm like, gosh, they've just got the world laid out in front of them and they can go do whatever they want to do. And you see them hesitant. And I always wonder, gosh, why aren't you, why don't you have confidence? I mean, you've, you've got everything in front of you. You've got the brains, you've got the opportunities. And it's always interesting to me to figure out, gosh, why don't, why don't you see you the way I see you and have that confidence um, to move forward? So, Grace, have you had advice um, for your kids, given your experience? I've just always told them to follow their hearts, do what makes them happy, and to aim high that they can do anything that they set their minds to. And it, it sounds like they are. Sounds like you've got some pretty pretty smart kids there. So, with March being Women's History Month, um, you know, I, I'm always a fan of anytime you're looking back at history to learn lessons from that to then also look ahead. Um, so as we look ahead and look at CRI, that's doing some great things with women. First of all, um, having this podcast is one of them. Very excited to have this platform, to have this discussion. But we're having several panels within the firm. Uh, we'll be very excited to have a conversation that counts with Dilla Singram at the end of the month as well and learn about her path uh, too. But I'm curious. I, I really, there's so many incredibly talented and successful women uh, at Carr, Riggs and Ingram, not just the three on this podcast. But I, I always think about, gosh, how, how can we reach them? How can we make sure that they have the support and what people see or need to support can be so many different things. But does does anybody have any thoughts on things that we can do uh, to engage with women at CRI or even women in our community to make them feel supported in their decisions, whether they're personal or professional decisions? Um, you know, with the pandemic, people are having to make some very challenging decisions that affect their personal and professional lives right now. And I just want to make sure, you know, they know that, hey, whatever decisions you're making, I got your back. To your point, Kathy, just be true to yourself in decisions. Um, but any thoughts on things that we can do to help support people um, as they're making their decisions and then supporting them in those decisions? The first thing, word that comes to my mind is empathy. When you say that, it kind of reminds me of like flying on an airplane at this stage. Of, well, when I flew on airplanes at this stage of my life and listening to young parents with a screaming baby. And instead of thinking someone get that baby quiet, it's like, oh, those poor parents. So in that thought process, um, a lot of empathy, especially now for young families women and men. We certainly have plenty of men in my office that are caretaking their, their kids too and sharing that. So I think having compassion, empathy for those women and, and young dads uh, is pretty important right now. Gosh, that is such a great example, um, especially during the pandemic as a whole. Um, you know, people, I, I just, you know, you watch on the news, people who aren't able to be with family members or their caretakers of family members um, who were sick during the pandemic. And I just, my family's been incredibly blessed and hasn't been faced with that. And I just can't imagine what um, those folks have gone through. And then even just empathy, you know, we, we have a Texan on the call and I think about everything that's happened in Texas with snow. I, I can't imagine 
being um, a mom with young kids at home and you have no power, it's below freezing and your water pipes burst and you can't like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I just, I want to get in my car and drive to Texas and put you in my car and drive you back. Like, I just can't um, imagine. And so I think, I think that's a great example, um, Kathy, is, is that, that empathy and, you know, how do you go and say, gosh, I can't imagine, you know, being on a flight with a crying baby. You know what? Let me take the baby for a little bit um, and give you a break. Although I'm not suggesting strangers your baby. I'm a, I'm a, I may not be a mom, but I'm a good aunt. And I know don't give the baby to strangers. I do know that rule. <laughs> um, but any other thoughts on things that we can do, um, even if it's to understand where people are struggling? I know people can be really prideful. Um, you know, I raise my hand. I am incredibly prideful and I am not one to admit um, if I'm struggling. I, I'm not one to ask for help, even if it's, tr- you know, understanding how um, if somebody is struggling, um, whether it's with choices that they're trying to make in their managing it all, managing their personal and professional life um, and just reaching out to them and letting you, letting them know that you're there. Any thoughts on how we could do that? Even if it's something that somebody did for one of the three of you. I guess the only thing I'll say to that is the one thing, at least in the Atlanta SPU that seems to be working well is that we do get that people are, are struggling through COVID right now, or even as just even if COVID wasn't going on and you've got young kids and this, this worked for me, having the flexibility to kind of alter my hours a little bit. So being at the office during core hours, but maybe, you know, sharing the responsibilities with my husband where I would get in really early and I'd be in charge of picking up the kids and he would work late, just figuring out the hours that worked for everybody. Um, So, you know, in Atlanta, we have that. We've, we've been very fortunate that we have like that kind of flexibility. And I think it's that one-on-one connection to understand where people are struggling. Um, one of the things I love about our new environment is the, you know, everybody's video now. And so I can see people's faces. And I love that when, you know, somebody calls me and we're going to, you know, talk about something work-related but you can just see in their face something's going on and just to stop for a minute and go, hey, is are you OK? Is every, everything OK? And it's OK to ask that. Um, I've, I've had people I've asked people, hey, are you OK? And they've just stopped and broke down and no, I'm, I'm, I'm not OK. And I'm like, well, let's let's stop and let's talk about that. What do you need? And, oh, I'm just having a bad day. Well, let's get that out. Don't worry about work. We'll get that taken care of. Um, and then understanding what they need, because whether it's two moms, they may have two completely separate needs. You may have a mom who doesn't, who doesn't have a husband, who doesn't have, um, that, that community around them to support them. And it could be where I would normally take my kids is closed and I'm struggling because I need to get my billable hours up. Or it it could be somebody who I feel so bad for people who maybe they're new to a city, they don't have any family, they don't have any kids, bam, the pandemic hits and they have nothing and they're alone and they're isolated um, and they they have nobody. And it's how are we reaching out to them just to go, hey, just gut check, you know, how are you doing? Are you okay? Um, And fortunately, again, you know, having the video lately kind of helps um, you know, you can see people's body language and see how they're doing. I know I've appreciated there's been a couple of days at the end of very long days 
or sometimes people go, hey, uh, you all right? Your energy level is not where it should be. I'm like, oh, Lord, no, I am exhausted. It has been one of those days. Um, but I think that definitely helps. Um, I know people often don't want to be intrusive. I have so many, I'll go ahead and say it. I have so many male partners um, who worry about some of their female colleagues and they'll call me about it. I will ask her if it's okay. She'll appreciate it. Um, and oftentimes they're like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. And I'm like, you know, we went through this during Black History Month talking about it's okay to say, how are you? Are you okay? Just because it's a different gender doesn't mean it's inappropriate. You know, ask them, are they okay? Um, they'll appreciate it. They may tell you no, um, but at least say, hey, I'm just worried about you. You know, your your energy's not where it usually is. I just want to make sure you're okay. If, if there's anything you're ever comfortable or if I can help you with anything, please let me know. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay to say. Um, so I, I know that that empathy is there, but for some reason, um, people are so worried they're going to say the wrong thing. And hopefully during the month of February, we've talked to people enough um, to let them know sometimes you do more damage not saying anything at the risk of offending um, than by just saying, are you, are you okay? And I help you. Well, I want to thank you three ladies um, for joining the podcast today. I realize that when I reach out to um, professionals in public accounting in the month of March, um, that's not the best time for me to be asking you to come have a discussion about women. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's actually the best time for me to be reaching out and asking you to have a discussion about women. Women certainly make up a majority of the public accounting workforce, if you didn't know that. Um, and I very much appreciate Fanta being willing to be on this call because a lot of times people often forget, although 50% of CPAs are women, more than 50% of public accounting firms aren't just the CPAs. It's also people in those very key functional support areas too. Um, and I don't want to overlook those areas as well. I think that's a very key voice within the firm too. And they are equally busy too. So thank you very much. And thank you, CRI, for giving us this opportunity uh, using the It Figures podcast to have this discussion. So be sure to check out other It Figures episodes and look for more in the future. Thank you. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. 